Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Choices, Finding Your Joy. I am filled with joy today to share with everyone an amazing woman. I have with us today, Carolyn Wright. She is the author of multiple books, which she will tell us about. She also will inspire us with words and information about life changes that she has gone through. I am so happy to have you on the show today, Carolyn. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Wow, I love it. And I have to say, I love that you're a fellow Washington State girl. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, was, I was tickled by that. Well, please begin with sharing your background with everyone and, and really what brought you to where you are today. Oh, well, so many, so many things. I'm very lucky. Um, well, let's say, I guess it's, I went to college in Paris uh, where I studied comparative literature and then I went to culinary school there. And then I uh, started, I decided to go yeah, so culinary school was kind of meant as the subject that I was to write about. Um, I didn't realize that I turned out to be like equal parts cook and writer, um, which was very exciting to find that about myself. And uh, then I started to work for Martha Stewart. I worked for a magazine called Everyday Food. So that landed me in the world of food editorial. And then um, like fast forward nearly a decade and I ended up with a kid, then two kids, and a cookbook career, which is what I really wanted um, when I was at home with my two young sons. And um, then we moved to Seattle about four years ago. And then just a year into living here, just we had found our home and we were renovating a 1906 home. I had just handed in my third cookbook called Catalan Food. Um, and traveled to Spain and done all this crazy business and started to have headaches. Um, and those headaches turned out to be um, actually a very large brain tumor in the frontal, frontal lobe of my brain. And um, so obviously that just threw, like I have a whole new life that started from that moment. And um, I really, I was given, so the headaches turned in, was it actually a tumor? The tumor was actually cancer, um, and actually the one of the worst cancers, um, brain cancers that you can have, called a glioblastoma. Um, very atypical. I was a very atypical case, and I continue to be because it's three years later, and I was given a year to live. So um, I'm very happy to be here and um, to be here with you too. This yes. is so great. Oh my gosh, that's that's amazing. What what changes did you step into when you when you got that information? I mean, share with us what what you believe really helped you to conquer this and and be who you are today. Well, um, you know, it's so hopeless, uh, the diagnosis that I was given. Literally, all the statistics point to certain death. Um, so I was really working hard to build hope for myself um, by really listening to my body and shutting off as much of the noise um, outside myself. Um, mostly, I was asking myself questions of why 
not not in a punishing way, but just wondering what imbalances existed in my life in order to create or, you know, because other 32 year olds at the time, you know, probably had cancer cells in their bodies, but their bodies were functioning in such a way that they didn't manifest or get out of hand. Um, so I was wondering what what my role in that was and what I could do. And I believed that there were things that I could do to change my fate. I don't know, you know, whatever, but my diagnosis, my prognosis. Um, so I decided to cut all of the foods that I really, I examined my diet because that's what cooks do. They like look at food first, I guess. Um, and so I changed the way I ate, oriented it entirely to an anti-inflammatory, um, sort of alkaline, uh, gentle, very gentle diet, because my logic was, is whether or not it helped with the cancer itself, I had no idea to know that, but more, I wanted to give my body the tools it needed to use these other tools that I was giving it, the chemo, the radiation, I was already asking it to do so much that like, why would I ask it to digest like sugar or wheat or a potato if someone told me that it might be tough, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just tried to live as gently as possible. And I really um, had a beautiful community that surrounded me. And I wrote like a lot. I wrote um, a website uh, on CaringBridge. Originally, I established it for all of my far-flung family and like, you know, Paris and New York and all the places that I've lived. Um, and it was originally just meant to chronicle this experience that I thought I was going to survive. And then, you know, just brain surgery, this crazy tumor, weird headaches. Um, and then uh, when I was given my diagnosis, it served as a place to hold what could have been my final words to my sons. Um, because my sons were one and four at the time and my one-year-old, if I had died when the doctors told me I was certainly going to, um, it was a year, um, and he would have not remembered me. So, uh, I really worked on sort of preserving my motherhood in a variety of ways for my sons. And actually I self-published, um, that memoir. It's called The Caring Bridge Project. You can actually find it on Amazon.com or you can find it on my uh, website, carolinewrightbooks.com. Um, but so that was like my version of in case I died, my sons know that I tried really hard and what the shape of all of that fighting was. You know, I got really into yoga and listening to my body um, in a very gentle and compassionate way and you know asking for help reaching out to others um it just was a really uh holistic 360 i was treating my body as um not as this tool that sounds very clinical just giving it great love and care knowing that i was asking it to be human in very inhuman circumstances um so that's it, it, it's more it's <laughs> the book is like 300 pages long. It's basically a live tweeting of it. So that was one version. But then I wrote this other book, um, which you mentioned when we first started called Lasting Love. And that was my book. Yes, exactly. That's my, that's my book to take care of my boys as young children as they were, you know, then in case I did die at that time. And luckily I didn't. So I'm here. <laughs> you are an inspiration. And doesn't that show us 
we may be told one thing. We don't have to accept that because there are possibilities out there every day of what we can accomplish. Absolutely. And I really learned, I, I've done, not study is, I don't know, that sounds much more serious than it is. I've really become consummately interested in the experience of being a patient. I've written a lot about it. I think a lot about it. And I do think that there is a difference between healing and curing. And I feel like the healthy population doesn't really understand that. People always were wishing that I was cured. And that's not actually possible with my cancer. Even now, I have a cancer with, I was diagnosed with a cancer with a 100% recurrence rate. Um, so, you know, I was given a year to live and I surpassed that and that's very exciting and I'm very grateful, but I live in that gratitude every day knowing that I'm not special, knowing that like I could go back to the place that I was. And so the, I think the inspiration really lies in finding peace and healing despite living in a pretty, um, you know, undefined territory. And that's just what my life is. Yes. You, you are such an inspiration, Carolyn. If you have uh, kind of transformed from doing your cookbooks to doing the children's books now. Is that correct? Um, partially. I sort of decided that since I, I, used to. So before, before cancer, what I call like the before time, um, you know, I used to produce everything. I was a TV producer. So I saw like, this was a step to that. And now I've just decided that I'm not going to do that anymore and just do what, where like my love and energy sort of flows. And right now, um, and, and at the moment I, I know I don't want to write a cancer cookbook because I have feelings about sort of monetizing, the desperation of the, what, what I remember I felt when I was diagnosed. So writing about food to do with my cancer is a little bit of a tenuous and tricky relationship. So I, nothing has really presented itself to me that was interesting. Um, but cook, uh, children's books, like absolutely writing for my boys while they're young and I get to hold them and, and relish in their tiny lives. It's very, very sweet and where my heart lives right now. Um, so that's great. And, but I am working on a cookbook right now too. Um, so it's not, I, I, I'm finding the places that feel authentic to me. So what types of recipes are you putting in this new cookbook? Give us, give us an idea of what we can look for. Uh, my new cookbook is exclusively a soup cookbook. Actually, it's going to come out on national homemade soup day next year, February 4th. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, but it's because people brought me soup when I was sick, mm -hmm. and um, I since have made a community of, um, I've made a soup club talking to people and giving people soup, and uh, I really think that there's like healing in that, and uh, it's a really profound, I have a profound relationship with soup now, I guess, but it's it makes sense because it, it can modify all kinds of diets and everything, but um, it's it's very very lovely to be working on a cookbook again when I wasn't sure that I would be. So um, it feels really great. 
That is really exciting. And oh my gosh, what a release date. Yeah, I know, right? So random. Uh, but I also have some other children's books in the works and I'm still promoting um, Lasting Love and it's just such a, it's such a dear book to me um, because basically I woke up one day and had this perfect metaphor for what we had been talking to, um, how we had been talking about my cancer to our sons. Um, that my love would just last regardless of whether my body did or not and sort of couching it in this, uh, you know, energetic kind of permanence that, that is transferred from like me to them. And um, so when I wrote this book, um, now it's taken on its a kind of different meaning because I'm still here to read it to them. Um, but it, it's a, it's a, it's, it is also a source of great peace for me with this cancer with an hundred percent recurrence rate, knowing that I've put, stored like my voice in a way in the caring bridge project and in lasting love, um, that they exist there for them and they can almost mother my boys, um, in case I, I can't, um, but I still feel very capable of that at this moment. And I have, I'm being called a miracle by my doctor. So like, I am very, very much on board with uh, living, you know? That is so awesome. And such a, such a beautiful name for that book. And I agree. Love does last forever. It really does. Well, and as the mom who was facing death, what I was really, um, it's kind of the fantasy of that, right? It's so basically the book opens with um, a parent being diagnosed with a terminal illness and uh, the hospital sending them home with a magical creature. And then the creature is the outward representation of the dying parent's love, who in this case was the mom. And then the creature and the son, you know, they, they, do things together, the same things I do with my sons, you know, cook, um, pick flowers, paint pictures, things like that. And then um, halfway through the mother dies. And then, um, the, and, and in the beginning, it's like the mother, the creature and the son are doing them. And then halfway through the mother dies. And then it's just the creature and the son that do all those things. And so it becomes like a shifting metaphor to like grief and how you hold someone's memory. And for me, as the dying mom, it made me feel, it represented what I hoped for them, which is like, they would keep me in a present way in their experiences of their lives. Like, you know, they get a bad grade or, you know, they get married or whatever. And I want them to feel like my love, like my, the version of them that they held onto is there. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Tell us a few of the other themes of your other children's books as well. Yeah, so um, I have another one called Charlie the Cook. Um, it's not widely available, but um, it is basically my autobiography. It's, it's a book I self-published actually while I was sick. Um, I happened to be working on that project when I got ill. And um, otherwise, those are the only two I'm, I'm pitching I'm pitching a number right now all revolving around like, um, well, the kind of in the two camps that I write about otherwise, I write about food and I write about my life story illness kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So um, they're sort of hovering around those two topics. Yes, yes. 
And it sounds like you have a passion for food and cooking. You have a passion for your writing. And that does so much for us, doesn't it, to follow our passion and do those things, doesn't it? Well, I, I feel like um, actually food and writing have a really strong similarity um, of community, right? Um, so I feel like expressing myself through food, gathering people together, it's, it's, it's creating a narrative. It's sharing a part of myself with them in a similar way that my writing, you know, it becomes part of someone. Some When you read a piece of writing, it like changes your thinking or, you know, it, you... I am really blessed and honored to be this person now who tells my story and showing my story in its rawest form and, and expressing it in a way that people seem to identify with it has meant that people connect with a very vulnerable part of me, but they bring their most vulnerable, vulnerable part of them to it. And sometimes it empowers them to think differently about the choices that are in front of them, even when they think they might not have any. Um, lasting love also has connected me to a community being, I'm very passionate about um, helping parents find the words of how to talk to their kids when facing death or illness. Um, so it's had a lot of varied um, aspects to it, uh, both cooking and talking about my story. I think that there is a link. Yes, yes. And your story and your messages really truly are, you know, affecting people. And in, I would think in some instances, just really giving them hope and love and just being able to share, you know, what you've gone through that can make a, a big difference for others. You're, you're affecting a lot of lives with, with these books and with your story. Well, thank you. Um, I hope, I hope that people, because the hardest thing I think when you get diagnosed with something for the whole family, it has a ripple effect, right? Um, I just think that it is hopeless. And I luckily am fortunate to have, I had the support. I had the energy, you know, because I was 32 when I was diagnosed and so, and otherwise completely healthy. And I had the reasons to fight. I had this, I have this beautiful family and um, all the, all the things. And I feel like if you don't, if you're not as lucky as I was, um, I know how, I can only imagine how difficult it is for a lot of people um, because I only had, I had a pretty grim diagnosis, but I had all the other things in my favor. Um, and also I'm a generally pretty positive person and I'm, you know, have this resource within myself of expressing that through writing. Um, and I don't know that, um, you know, and if you didn't quite have that or, or it wasn't your thing to make things, all I do is make things, whether it's food or books or whatever. I mean, I, I create things all the time. I wanted to say, um, I did get off of social media when I was diagnosed because I wanted to look up and out and not down. Mm -hmm. Um, so now what I do is I write a newsletter and I connect with people that way. I hear from all kinds of new people who um, tell me their stories and I love to hear um, in response 
to mind. It's like, I think of it as like a really beautiful dialogue. So um, if people want to find that, it's on my carolinewrightbooks.com website. There's a place to sign up there. And I love hearing from people. I love that. I love that. So they can go to carolinewright.com. And Caroline, yep, carolinewrightbooks.com. Carolinewright.com. It's a very common name. <laughs> oh, wow. You, you really are an inspiration, Carolyn. You really are. With about five minutes left in the show, what, what last thoughts do you want to leave with everyone today? Well, um, I think it's really important that when you're diagnosed with something crazy or you know someone who's being diagnosed, to, to continue to find ways to be yourself through the process um, because that's where hope lives and you're often being reduced to a sack of cells or you're being reminded that you're having these chemicals pumped into you, it can be pretty distancing from feeling like a person. And I like to tell people that, you know, you're still you and that, if you lose that, then that's what makes it harder to fight is keeping yourself in it um, is really the way through. And there is a way through. Even if it's not for curing, there is a way through to healing. Yes, yes. And just hanging on to and keeping yourself. That's a beautiful message. It really is. And, and for you, one of your things was to continue to write, wasn't it? Thank you. That beautiful gift of writing that you have. So tell us, what do you see with your writing? You're working on a cookbook now. Do you think you're going to go more into the cookbook trend or kind of continue with children's books as well? I think I, I'm willing to tell any aspect of my story. I, I'm willing to do whatever feels right in terms of connecting with readers and other storytellers. Yes. Yes. That is so exciting. And tell us, uh, Carolyn, where can the viewers and the listeners get copies of your book? Where is your book available? Um, it's available wherever books are sold. Um, local bookstores to Amazon everywhere in between. Um, so you, you can find it out there and you can find uh, links, like I said, on carolinewrightbooks.com. Um, yeah, it's out there. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. Well, you are just amazing and I'm so grateful to share you with my audience, Carolyn. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this has been great. And again, this lasting love is absolutely fantastic. And I have a cookbook ordered. I can't wait to, to jump into that. <laughs> Family and friends. So great. This has been so great. And to everyone out there, love, hugs, and blessings. Thank you for joining us today. Carolyn, love, hugs, and blessings, honey.
Thank you so much. To you too. Thank you. Bye everyone. Live a happy life. Turn your average life into a happy life with Paula Vale's book, Why Am I So Happy? Tired of waking up to the same routine, but just a different day? Would you like to live a happy life effortlessly? We want to introduce you to Paula Vale, the author of Why Am I So Happy? Paula is a TV slash radio host, Reiki master slash teacher, and published author. She understands life's challenges and will guide you in releasing negative thoughts to find emotional and physical joy and balance. Paula shares tips on how to invest in yourself to become the joy-filled person you were meant to be. Paula's book, Why Am I So Happy? is informative, inspiring, and overflowing with gratitude. Her words benefit both men and women and provide a guide to living a happy, healthy, fun, and prosperous life. Why live the happy life? Because you deserve it. It's that simple. Don't procrastinate because you could be living your happy life now. Purchase Paula's book, Why Am I So Happy? on Amazon.com today. Are you looking to open the beautiful door to the beautiful modality of Reiki, a hands-on energy healing modality? Radio host, Reiki master, speaker, and published author, Paula Vale would be honored to assist you in your Reiki training. For details, go to wellnessinspired.com. You may also contact Paula at paula at wellnessinspired.com to schedule your training.